Okay, um, so let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, a couple more things we want to just look at here, and then we've got uh, another passage that we will consider. <clears throat> so all of this is under the sort of umbrella of using the word. Um, so um, making use of God's word, particularly uh, to uh, direct our steps in life, right? So that light, uh, lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Um, so we want to actually make use of the scriptures to to do that, to direct our steps and guide uh, the course of our life. Um, that obviously includes times of significant decision when uh, major decisions are being made, but we ought not exclude um, just the, the mundane, uh, ordinary decisions of life as well. So uh, we really want to cultivate uh, a heart that allows the Word of God to direct all of our steps, right? Not just the big steps, all of our steps. And by the way, usually the best preparation for allowing the Word of God to direct our big steps is allowing it to direct our mundane steps, right? So every day uh, you're going to have practice um, using the Word of God if you allow it to help guide your thinking with even the mundane things, right? Uh, so that when it comes time uh, for the bigger decisions, the more, I guess, consequential decisions, um, you, you're already have developed good habits uh, of making use of the scripture to, to help you in that. Um, again, oftentimes you're not going to have um, explicit statements of scripture that speak exactly to the details of the choices that you're making, uh, but uh, always the Lord gives us principles uh, that we can apply. So in Proverbs 3, you have a rich passage that really gives us some very important general uh, counsel uh, along these lines. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. So this idea of trusting in him without reservation, right, in all areas and so on is the goal. And again, that's something we're going to have to practice and work on because it doesn't come naturally uh, to us as human beings, right? The Holy Spirit, it's natural to him. And of course, he wants to make his nature our nature, but it's going to take some work uh, on our part, some conscious thought and consideration. Uh, the lean not to your own understanding. Again, we've we've looked at that. Um, again, uh, that goes along with verse seven. Be not wise in your own eyes. Uh, so we we need to recognize that we don't have it all figured out, and that's precisely why we need that flashlight. Right? If we figure that we've got it all figured out, we leave the flashlight in the closet to use our image, our metaphor, right? So no, I need a flashlight, right? So that's what those statements, you know, really are reminding us of, um, that 
that we do not want to go it alone, uh, independently of God. And then verse 6, we've spent some time on this. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So the second part of the verse is obviously the promise that flows out of our having done the first part of the verse. And uh, the acknowledging of him uh, would include that idea of um, recognizing, as James tells us, you know, you can't just say, I'm going to go and do this and do that, and this is how it's going to work. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. So we must bring the Lord into the, into the picture and recognize that we are, um, uh, you know, ultimately uh, subject unto him. And, and especially as a believer, it ought to be if the Lord wills, we will do this and that. But again, that is not just the rote statement that we tack on to the end of our statements about plans or that we tack on to the end of our prayers when we're asking, Lord, I want this to happen. Oh, but not my will. You know, So it's not just this little ditty, uh, this Christian thing that we've got to tack on to everything. Uh, God really wants it to be uh, that our hearts are submitted to him and to his will. And that, as we saw last week, what place ought we to give God if we are going to acknowledge him in all our ways? What place do we give him? And the place that we should give him is first place. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? So that ought... You know, in all our ways, acknowledging him really ought to be, it's far more than just, oh, I need to recognize that I'm subject to his will. It's really, no, I need to put him in the first place so that uh, my consideration of him and what's important to him takes priority. So my consideration of myself and what's pleasing to me and comfortable for me is subordinate, not that we aren't to think of those things entirely, but we need to be very careful because those things can move us out from under his will. Right? Uh, you look at the Apostle Paul, if he had sought the life of ease and comfort, never would have been any missionary journeys. Right? Uh, never would have been. Uh, so seek first the kingdom of God. So it's to cultivate that thought and that thinking in our minds that we need to to make what matters to God matter to us. Right. So what should be the first priority, the, the most importance in our consideration? Uh, I mean, even just in the course of a day, folks, in the mundane course of a day, you don't have enough time to do everything you would like to do. You don't have enough time, right? Uh, so you have to prioritize. And, you know, we need to arrange our priorities more in line with the Word of God. Okay, so if you put a higher priority on doing other things than, for example, 
reading your Bible, guess what? Your Bible's not going to get read. Okay, so was that a good use of a day? Right? You may have done some good things. It's not like you robbed any banks or anything. You know, may have done some good and useful things, but were you seeking first the kingdom of God? Right? What priority were you giving that? Right? Uh, so again, that's just one example, but uh, it has ramifications. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. What good is a good day if it's not a godly day? Right. So it's not that uh, good days can be days that are not godly. I mean, good in the sense of you know it was nice sunshine and we got you know done what I wanted to do and all of that, but it may not have been godly as such. Right. Anyway, very interesting. All right. Um, so again, I don't want to, to dwell too much further on that, but it really is, I think, a very important consideration to acknowledge him in all our ways is not just to, to give lip service and it's not just to uh, tack on words, but it's to truly endeavor to come to the place where where. His priorities are our priorities, right? Um, Be not wise in your own eyes. We talked about that. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So again, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's very, very important. We've already dealt at length on that. And then there are some promises in verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And again, that's not to say that you'll never be sick or never have any trouble, but there, this is just stating the general principle that your life is going to show the benefit of following Christ uh, carefully uh, if you do that. And then there's some other statements. Verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance, the first fruits of all thine increase. And again, a promise so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. And again, very, very simple practice, but a very important practice. And that's part of making God first. Okay, they, The children of Israel were to give of the first fruits of their harvest to the Lord, right? And so we are not under the the Mosaic law as such, but you know this principle is certainly taught in the New Testament, the idea of giving uh, to the Lord's work and to the help of the Lord's people and so on. And you know every single cent, even though we don't have pennies anymore, every single cent that you give was God's cent. Right? It, it was his. You don't have anything that didn't come from him. Right? So anything that you give, you're just giving God stuff. Right? So in the use of our finances, we need to make God a priority. Yes? Yeah, so I'm just interested you in, in it starts off by saying my son. And, and obviously he's talking to his sons. Yeah, Solomon is the human author. Yeah. Jeroboam or Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Is there two sons or is there more than two sons? 
Well, he had lots of sons, but Rehoboam was the next in line as far as the throne. Right. Yeah. So I find that interesting because it comes from the mouth of someone like Solomon. Right. And yet the end of Solomon's life is really questionable, isn't it? I mean, right. he got taken away with his own lust of the flesh, if you were. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure how his sons did, but they weren't, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Uh, what I find interesting is that that these truths are 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 not a guarantee to that you follow them because it's up to you to follow them. I, I just find right. it such an interesting. Yeah, and exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, it's it's like here we we can read it and we can pass by it. Yeah. And the truths are still truths, yeah. and even for someone like Solomon. Yes. Yes. I just find that so interesting. That yes. A wise man. Yeah. But you've got to you've got to pick up the flashlight every day. See, that's the thing, right? And and so and so all it takes, right? It it you know we are one step away from error, and we're you know put a few of those steps of error together, and you've now really departed from where you ought to be, right? Yeah, and there was a like when I was a newer Christian, there was this little pamphlet called Drifting. Hmm. And it was a fascinating little concept. It, it spoke of a ship that was like a gate ship, like a, a tanker, you know, tankers, that needed to go that way. And in order for him to go that way, it took a, a long time for that ship to turn. Hmm. Like it's not like a speedboat. It took forever for that thing to turn. Eventually, it went, it was going north, now it's going right. whatever. And... Um, and it was it was analogy it was an analogy to life of the of the Christian that our little decisions that we make pile up upon another little decision that you made mm-hmm. yesterday or whatever, mm-hmm. and you haven't dealt with that little decision you made, and it's almost like sin upon sin. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, you turn around, and you thought you were heading the right way, and you slowly drifted over over years, and other stuff has gotten into your life. Mm-hmm. And you're not walking with the Lord anymore. Right. Right. And I see this in Solomon. So right. Much, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's that's exactly why <clears throat> you know every day matters. Yeah. Right. And and the mundane matters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so and there so there and that's part of why it's helpful to be a part of the body. Right. Because. You know, that's what Hebrews 3 is using the example of the Old Testament, right? Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation and so on. But it's, you know, exhort one another daily while it is called today, right? And so, so you know, the function within the body of Christ, right? It, you know, because this is what we're prone to, right? That we are prone, right, to to turn back to the old ways. And so it really takes a constant daily effort to be where we ought to be, right? It takes a constant daily effort. And and that's what, you know, when you read the parable of the sower and this seed that fell among thorns, what happened to that seed, it ends up not being fruitful, and the testimony is that it's the cares of this life, along with the deceitfulness of riches and so on, right? That that just choke the word. And so, 
you know, that's why, I mean, the cares of life, when do that, when does that happen? Okay, 12 ways your phone is changing you. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Like, it really is a topic. Yeah. And every day and age has its own version of that, distractions, right? Absolutely. And and so again, that's why, um, you know, it, it would be nice, at least my brain says it would be nice, you know, if it was just like a light switch, all you had to do is flick the switch and you're done, you're good, it's on, power's connected and, and away you go, Right? But it's not like a light switch, right? And it is, it's a race. And that race, you've got to keep putting one foot in front of another. And, you know, you've done that for 40 years, okay? You're still alive, you've got to keep doing it, right? And so that's the challenge. And that's <clears throat> where uh, we need the encouragement of God's people, but it truly is just, you know, Day by day by day. Uh, so these verses about uh, tithing, you know, honoring the Lord with our substance, uh, that is a very important part of life. Um, if that is not done, what I've found, typically, if that is not done on a disciplined, regular basis, before you know it, you know, uh, an extended period has gone by uh, when people have not contributed uh, to the financial work of the Lord. And again, it's not that God doesn't need your money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, His work will happen whether you participate in it or not. God is God. And it is going to happen. Uh, But you are missing out. Truly. uh, You know, on some of his blessing. Uh, Here, Proverbs 3 you have testimony to his blessing if you will honor him in this simple way. And of course, I think it's in Malachi. Uh, you've got um, the Lord really indicting his people that they, they were withholding the tithe from the Lord. And he says, you know, try me. You know, see, if I can't open the doors of heaven and pour out blessing upon you. Right. And uh, so, again, it's a simple thing, but it's a basic thing. And it's something that the Lord obviously felt that we needed reminded of that in the context of these other statements about the living of life. And then, um, sorry, another comment? Yeah, so so sometimes the argument against giving is we can't afford it. Um, and it may be that you have overextended yourself, right, in other financial commitments, so maybe you ought to do something about that, right? Uh, if you can't afford it, you 
you know, something's wrong because, you know, God ought to come first. And, you know, really the problem is you can't afford something else that you've actually, you know, acquired. That's what you can't afford. So, you know, again, honor the Lord, put him first, arrange your life with the rest of it. And, you know, if you really think it's something that is necessary, talk to the Lord about it. And if it really is necessary, he can provide it, right? Uh, but maybe it's our wanter that needs adjusted a bit too. So anyway, um, again, not my point to, to teach extensively on uh, giving. We have done that in the past um, and we will, I'm sure, touch on it again in the future, but uh, it is touched on here. And then <clears throat> verse 11 uh, very helpful counsel. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. Okay, so when does the Lord chasten? Give me a general description of the situation or circumstance in which the Lord needs to chasten. Okay, so when you haven't put him first, when you you know when you left the flashlight in the closet, right, and you've not been following the counsel of his word in your choices, right? Um, Or another way to put it, when does the Lord chasten? When he needs to correct. Same thing, right? But that's what it says. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Well, the chastening is there because correction is needed. Okay, And so the Lord's counsel to us here, which is repeated in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, which follows Hebrews 11, the testimony of the Hall of Fame of Faith, and Hebrews chapter 12 opens with, laying us, wherefore, seeing as we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Let us run with endurance this race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne on high. For you have not yet striven unto blood, resisted unto blood in your striving against sin. And then it goes on, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Okay? So it's in the context of running the race of life that the New Testament comes back to this passage and says, you know, don't despise that chastening of the Lord. So what would it look like if you did despise the chastening of the Lord? What would that look like in a person's life? Here's a a believer, child of God. You know, they're not on the right path. The Lord is, is chastening and they are actually despising that chastening. Okay. Okay. Maybe you'd have to make a decision in your 
Okay, so so in other words, um, the chastening isn't going to be pleasant, right? It's not going to be pleasant. Um, and if we despise it, then we are we are not seeing it as valuable, right? We're seeing it as worthless. When you despise something, it's like you know you'd spit on it, right? It's it's worthless. You want to you know, nothing to do with it. Okay, so. So if we're despising the chastening, then, okay, if, if, chastening, if chastening happens when correction is needed and we're despising the chastening, what's not going to happen? The correction, right? So it's like what Hugh said. You know, the correction is not going to happen uh, because we're angry at God or, you know, we're becoming bitter. Very, you know, in that 12th chapter of Hebrews, it talks about that root of bitterness springing up within a person. Okay, so that's part of what it's going to look like when a person despises the chastening of the Lord. Expect to see bitterness. Okay, and that's poison, and it it affects the people around, right, one way or another, right. And uh, so that's one of the things that we can expect, right, is that the correction doesn't happen. So they proceed on the same path. And it's like, you know, why are you banging your head against the wall? You know, like there you are, you know, keep banging. Why are you doing this? Right. Because, you know, we're not giving God his right place. Right. And we are just we're we're resisting. We're pushing against it. We're not, you know, he's trying to turn us. And we're, you know, grabbing the wheel and turning it back. And, you know, and the bitterness very much is going to be a part of that. All right. Yes. I think a lot of new believers, I think, can easily understand why, what it is. Right. Uh, some of us grew up in homes where there was no discipline. Okay. And there's nothing really more detrimental to a child's welfare and also, there's nothing more loving, I would say, than discipline. Right. Because now you know which way to go. Right. I would hate to, you know, repeat some of the, of my, of my childhood. Right. <laughs> because you don't know which way to go. There's yeah. no direction. Right. A, 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 dis, a, a discipline chastening from the Lord is a loving thing. Yes. It's yeah. a loving thing. I mean, right. sometimes... Bad, yes. Yeah. But correctly understood, I I know the Lord loves me because He chases me. Yes. Yeah. And I'm so glad He does. Yes. Because yeah. I don't want to be left to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that point is made here, um, verse 12: Whom the Lord loves, He corrects, even as a father the son in whom He delights. And Hebrews 12. Uh, elaborates on that. He said, and you know, it goes so far as to say, you know, if you aren't experiencing the chastening of the Lord, that's evidence that you're not a child of His. 
Okay, isn't that interesting? Okay, what that means is every child of his at some point needs correction. Right? Every child of his. Because we aren't yet Christ-like. And, you know, he said turn right and I didn't turn right. You know, I mean... That is going to be our experience, okay? So that's part, this, this is so helpful to have this reminder in the context of trust in the Lord, all your heart, lean not on your, onto your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and so on. You know, the reality is I'm not going to get that right all the time. But because I'm a child of God, my loving Heavenly Father is going to act to correct me. Okay, So I need to expect that. That's what Hebrews 12 is telling us. If you aren't experiencing it, it's not because you're perfect. It's not because you don't need correction. It's because you're living your life entirely on your own, not a child of God. Right? That's what he's saying. So, we ought to expect that this is going to happen. All right. Now, again, it's kind of one of those, you know, like as a parent and you're, you're disciplining your children, and we, we did spank our children. And, you know, it, it, is, it is, I mean, I did it because I know I, God tells me I have to do it. But I really did not enjoy doing that. Right. Um, and, you know, often, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't just start wailing. Usually I'm sure I made mistakes, but usually what I would try to do is try to, you know, explain what it is that I'm concerned about. And OK, now I'm going to have to spank you. And then usually what I would do is there would be a couple of swacks on my own leg just so I, you know, remind myself that this is not fun and, you know, try to get. So that I'm not too forceful in what I'm doing and so on, right? And, and then I would, but I would do it, right? Now I'm sure God doesn't have that same problem because He's perfect in everything that He does, right? But the whole idea is that, you know, it is something that, that the loving Father does to the Son that He delights in or the daughter that He delights in. Uh, and He does it because He knows that the correction is needed. Right. And, you know, to to leave them uncorrected, right, to continue on that path. Right. Think of the destruction uh, that awaits them. Right. So we can expect it from the Lord. So that means we need to prepare our minds for how we're going to respond. Right. It's like we don't want it to happen because it is grievous. It's not pleasant. Uh, so it's not like we were saying, oh, Lord, please swack me, right? You know, chasten me. Like none of us would ask for that, really. Uh, but knowing our imperfection, uh, knowing that it's going to come, we need to talk to ourselves biblically and say, okay, I need to evaluate this. And here's this situation. And this is what's happening. 
Is this the Lord's chastening? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just we live in a fallen world and, and you know, this is what has happened and whatever. So it's not always the Lord trying to correct us. Not always. But we have to ask the question. Okay, Lord, you know, uh, is there something that needs correcting? And that's what Psalm 139 does, right? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me, right? And so, so that's part of cultivating that teachable spirit, right? That, that desires to be responsive to the Lord. Sorry, John. Go ahead. Yeah, and so, um, again, the correction that he would give certainly is going to be found in his word, right? So we, we must interpret our circumstances with the word of God, right? So, so okay, that's why you, can't, you cannot say that any instance of trouble is the Lord's chastening. The word of God does not teach that. And so that's why it's very important that we we are actually using the word of God to evaluate those circumstances to see, okay, you know, maybe there is something that I should be changing and correcting. So Lord, help me understand that. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to search the scriptures. I'm going to think through the course of my life and, you know, what I'm doing or not doing and in light of what I know from scripture. And maybe there are some things that need correcting. Maybe this is, you know, the Lord's chastening hand, but not always. Uh, But there has to be that question to the Lord. Lord, is this something that you're trying to, you know, to bring something to my attention? Help me understand that. Uh, So we can expect correction. Ideally, the correction will be just the spoken word, right? That, That he doesn't have to you know, bring about some calamity that, that we are listening carefully enough 
that he can just deal with it with the spoken word. That is correction as well, right? And that would be his choice. But sometimes we aren't listening to the word, right? And uh, we've strung together a few of those days of not listening to the word. And so then maybe something else, you know, the Lord will use another means, okay? But ultimately, it will always come back to his word because that's where his counsel, that's where his will is revealed. So we'll always be able to find help in his word. Okay, but um, the objective of all of this, let's turn to Hebrews 12 just for a minute. Hebrews 12. And let's remember the objective. Hebrews 12. Okay. All right. So, verse, uh, well, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, that is our earthly fathers, verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, God, chastens us for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields, it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Right. So there's an emphasis here on holiness and righteousness, right? And that is God's objective, folks. His will is your Christ-likeness, and uh, He's intent on that. If you are His child, and so He will. He's given us His Word to counsel and guide our steps. His intent is that we use that, right? That we shine that light on our path. Uh, to the extent that we don't and we need correction, he will give us that because he loves us. And his objective is that holiness and righteousness being produced in our lives. right? And that's a good thing. And so we can thank the Lord for that. All right. Um, any questions or comments on what we've gone over today? Yeah, so uh, we can thank the Lord for his um, care and for his provision. Ultimately, his word, we are told, Second Timothy chapter 3, is all scripture is given by God, uh, given by inspiration of God, 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths, if we will use it. Right? God wants us to use it. Now, I have one more uh, passage that we're going to look at next week. And then my plan is to be finished with this series on um, using the word. It's possible that that may push into a, a second week, but uh, right now the plan is that it would be one more week and then um, uh, Brendan will be teaching on another subject. Don't ask him what he's teaching on because I'm not sure that that's all been settled yet. Uh, we haven't uh, fully uh, landed yet on what it is that he'll be presenting. But just so you know, that's sort of the plan. Um, so there is one more. Having said that, we could go on forever, right? Really about talking about using the word in making our life decisions and so on. You could never really fully exhaust a topic like that because it's so much wrapped up in what it means to be a Christian and live as a Christian, right? Uh, what we're doing on Sunday nights in Colossians chapter 1 with uh, walking worthy of the Lord and you know, we're looking at the passage and some of the descriptions related to that, that's all related to this, right? So, so we're getting some more of it through that uh, study as well. Um, and again, if you have any questions, by the way, too, so if there's something that you know has just been niggling in the back of your mind or whatever, and you say, why hasn't he talked about that? Um, by all means, let me know, and um, we'll try to address any of those kinds of things. If you're saying, what about this kind of a situation? Be happy to try to address that. Um, you know, This hopefully is an opportunity for all of us to, to really learn uh, on a practical level some of what it means to make use of God's word. Yes. Okay, the short answer, I would have to say initially no because uh, God's testimony to Satan was here's this uh, perfect man, a righteous man, right? So, so initially uh, there was not an instance of unrighteousness in Job that caused the Lord to bring that about or to allow it. Okay, I think by the time you get to the end, uh, very clearly, Job needs a bit of correction, right? And and so and Job acknowledges that, right? And he repents in dust and ashes, right? And so because his thinking about the Lord had gone off track a little bit in the midst of his suffering, right? So the suffering, as best as I can understand it, did not initially arise as chastening. Right. In the, in the mind of God, he still wanted to, though he was a perfect man, there were still things that needed to be. God knew what yeah. he wanted to bring about in his life. For sure. And, and really there is a perspective about God that Job was lacking. Right. And by the end, 
It's like, oh, I've heard about you. Now I see you and I repent in dust and ashes, right? So, so God knew that as Job was taken through that hard, hard time in his life, uh, that he would, he really would come out as gold, right? And, and that there would be this improved understanding of who God is and Job's place under God and so on uh, that would be the result of that. So. True, yeah, yeah. You know, they, as far as they were concerned, Job was sinning. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that they were saying to him was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's a warning for us, right? When we see right. people going through difficulty. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be very careful not to assume that it's a result of sin. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Anything else? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and what we will see next time. Lord willing, is that we do need to be careful thinking that, okay, if I make use of the word of God and I follow the Lord, that means there's going to be no trouble. Okay, that is a mistake. And we've got Bible uh, that will help us recognize that that's a mistake to think that way, all right? Um, So anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us. And we thank you for the counsel of your word. Uh, We confess our need of it. And uh, we are grateful, Lord, that you are patient with us. And um, there are many times that we stumble, that we err. And uh, we need your correction. So help us to use our time in this study uh, to good purpose. Uh, these things hopefully are nothing brand new to us, but they should be reminders. And uh, we must need the reminder. So Lord, may we take it and make good use of it. And uh, day by day, uh, may our walk be worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. May we truly be fruitful in every good work increasing in the knowledge of God. May we be strengthened, Lord, by your spirit, working in us all of these things. And what a great privilege to be your children and to have you interested in us individually and taking the time with us to teach us and correct us. Thank you. And may we be, Lord, grateful children that allow our spirits to be exercised by these things uh, unto righteousness. We will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.